Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Welcome to Truth Set Free, our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Q&A program. It is recorded live on Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. with Pastor Matt Lewis and Steve Winery. You can view the live program at our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. You can text your questions to 707-872-7677 or email them to crosswalkradio at gmail.com. So, uh, for example... In the Code of Hammurabi, you have a situation where it talks about um, slaves and talks about the the fact that if you got yourself into trouble, you could you could become an indentured servant for three years. Well, the Bible does that same thing, but it's for seven years. And so, you know, uh, what these guys do is they say that um, Moses stole that from Hammurabi because uh, Moses lived after Hammurabi. Another one is uh, if a slave decides that he wants to stay with his master. So you've, you've done your seven years and you're allowed to go to go free after that point, but you don't want to, you want to stay there uh, with your master. What, uh, in the, what Moses said in the Bible, what God said through Moses, is that you take an awl and put a ring through your ear. Uh, you put a hole in your ear and you put an earring in, and that identified you as a bond slave, a slave by choice. Um, in the Code of Hammurabi, it was the only reference that we have to that is if a slave says, you're not my master, that the master could take him and cut his ear off. And they, they say that those, those two are similar. Well, they're, you know, they're about the same subject, but those aren't similar. That's, that's you know, it has nothing to do with the, with the other thing. And there's codes about incest in Hammurabi and uh, codes about incest in the Bible, too. And the fact that they both have codes saying that you're, you're not to do that doesn't mean that Moses was plagiarizing Hammurabi. They're always trying to do that to say you ripped yeah. off someone to discount what Scripture yeah. says. Another thing that you have is in the Bible, um, you have Abraham in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis in chapter 26, let's see, where is this? In verse 4, God's saying, I'm, I'm going to make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I'm going to give your descendants all these lands and so on, because, verse 5, Abraham would vo- obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so all the way back during the time of Abraham, God had commandments, statutes, and laws. And we don't know what those are, presumably. They're exactly the same statutes, commandments, and laws that you have with Moses. Uh, for example, uh, circumcision is something that God gave to Abraham and also told Moses was something that was obligatory upon uh, the people of Israel. And so we, we know some things that they had back during the time of Abraham. We just don't know everything that Abraham had. 
what you have with Moses is he's taking those things and God's repeating those things to him and Moses is writing them down and encoding them. And so God can say these things to Abraham and then he can say them to Moses later on. Or Abraham can get these from Noah once again. You're only 10 generations out from Noah and depending on how long a generation is, a generation in our culture is about 20 years. That's from the time of the founding of the United States. You know, that's the difference in, in time there. With uh, Abraham, Abraham lived uh, at 2000 BC, right around that period of time. Hammurabi lived in the latter portion of the second millennium BC, which, is, which means 18 to 1900 BC. There's a real good chance that Abraham was before Hammurabi. Um, there, there's other issues that go along with that archaeologically. Uh, we have some references to the fact that Abraham was influential among the Amorites. A passage in the book of Genesis that talks about Abraham had a confederation with the Amorites and Hammurabi was an Amorite king of Babylon. And so that's interesting too. Uh, in any case, again, uh, in, in an earlier question, I made the point that all these guys got off the same boat. You know, everybody at that time is descended from Noah and his family, and we're not that many generations away from the time of Noah. And, and so you can have a godly heritage that exists after the flood that's not coming from Abraham. Abraham is somebody that God used to bring about the Jewish nation and to uh, kind of cement God's influence with humanity. But it doesn't mean that God didn't have influence with other people. Uh, during that period of time. And so, obviously, same God, same rules, uh, that kind of thing. Um, when you're talking about the difference between what the Bible says and what the Code of Hammurabi says, I'd much rather go with the Bible because the Code of Hammurabi is kind of goofy in a number of different, different places. The one thing that you do see in the Code of Hammurabi is that the commandment uh, that it's, a, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a bone for a bone that's something that's common between Hammurabi's code and the Bible. It's the one thing that is almost is almost word for word from Hammurabi to the Bible. All the rest of the stuff is, you know, things like like I said before. You know, it's like we're talking about slaves. One's talking about putting an earring in their ear. The other one's cut, talking about cutting off your ear. So, yeah. Cool. All right, here we go. Next one. Okay, it's from Kim. Uh, this is what she says. A Christian church is requiring that to become a member of their church, you need to sign a covenant or a contract with them to agree to submit to their elders, attend church, participate in a home group that they will assign, uh, tithe, participate in finding my spiritual gift or gifts and community service. That is one of their programs that feed the needy, etc. And be baptized if I'm not already. I understand that I'm called to do these things and led or convicted by the Holy Spirit to do that. But is it scriptural to have to sign a contract for membership? I thought when I repented and accepted Jesus that I became part of the church. Okay. You know, when you're, when you're looking at those issues, um, no, it's not scriptural. There's not a passage in the Bible that says thou shalt sign a contract. Okay. So, Obviously not. I, I like it that, uh, you know, all, the, all those things that are being spoken about there, those are, those are all good things. And those are things that, like you said, Christians are called to do. And that's where the Holy Spirit is going to be going to be moving you. He's going to be leading you in those, in those areas. But um, as far as the Bible saying that you have to sign a contract to do that, uh, the, the Bible does not teach that. Now, you talked about being, being a member 
of the church when you give your life to Jesus. That's absolutely true. But that's not what they are talking about. What they are talking about is being a member of their church. And this is one of the, one of the things that you have with churches. And I'm, I'm just going to put the, the best spin on this that I can. Churches have to have governments. You know, we, churches are nonprofit corporations. And so to be registered as a church, you have to be regis- registered with your state as, an, as a uh, nonprofit corporation. And a corporation has to have bylaws. And there's a good chance that the church that you're talking about has bylaws that uh, state that members vote in the church. And so, again, best spin on this whole thing. What they want is if they're going to make you a member, they have to follow their bylaws. And if they're going to make you a member of their corporation, um, their nonprofit corporation, then they want you to be fulfilling certain things so that they don't have members that are voting for bogus stuff. Okay, so that's the best spin I could put on that. The uh, another spin that you could put on that, and and this might be true also, is that what they're trying to do is make you do these things instead of allowing the Lord to lead you. And so there are Christians that um, that want to do that. They you know they they want to run you know. They, they want to make people do the right thing. And so I'm not called to that. I'm called to teach people to do the right thing, and then you get to make a choice. And so, uh, and we don't have, here at Calvary, um, we don't have a membership that's that's like that in the, in the sense that uh, our congregation votes for stuff. It's not that I don't listen to the congregation, because I do. Uh, but we don't have uh, bylaws that, that state that state that kind of thing. And so I treat membership in Calvary Chapel the same as I, as I would membership in the body of Christ. And so when you got saved, yes, you are part of the body of Christ, and you are part of the church that matters. And so the church that matters is Jesus' church, not Calvary Chapel of Tri-Cities Incorporated. And, and so that's and that's what our our uh, our corporation is called. And so you become part of the body of Christ. You become a member of Jesus's church, and all of that stuff is true. But whether or not they want you to be a member of their corporation is something altogether different. And so, according to our laws, um, not only are they required they're required to have members. If you're going to have a corporation, you have to have members. Uh, not only are they required to have members, they are allowed to make the rules for who's a member of their corporation. And so kind of a combo of, of those two things. I think there's probably a little bit of both going on. So Okay, so for the congregational-led style of church government that you laid out, isn't that the more popular version than some of the others? And so when you're looking at membership, it, it, it's more often than not that churches go down this road. Yeah, in America. In America. In America. And is. so in that, you know, I'm an American. Mm-hmm. On the face of it, I don't want you telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I can take care of it my, myself. And I'm not going to go to your little class that you assigned me to. If I want to go to the class, I'll go. Right. And uh, it's just, it's just feels like they're pushing you around from the beginning that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then it goes into that's how the cults do. And they make you give your paycheck to say, oh, how much do you make? Let's verify that you're tithing the correct amount. And it's like, don't boss me. You know, I want to be a member here. I want to serve, but I don't need to go through this whole process. But it's funny, and I know you've had this question asked you. I've had it asked to me too, but people will be like, well, how do you do your membership? 
mm-hmm. and you explain to them, well, we don't really do memberships. Are you, are you a Christian? Congratulations, you're a member. Yeah. And then they're like, well, how do you, how do, you do that? And what they're trying to, what they don't trust in or what they rely on is that their memberships and the tithe and stuff is something that's going to make it. Give a, them influence. Yeah and, yeah, and make it a routine and it gives them the like confidence, oh, we have this many memberships. And they get worried when they don't have that contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that that's some of it too? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's some of, some of that. And you don't get that from people who just got saved. You get that from people who've been going to church all their lives. Yeah. And so it's, it's a cultural thing, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So I never, I never had issues with that. You know, when I, when I, the first church I ever went to was, well, not the first church I ever went to because my grandma took me to church, but when I got saved, it was a Calvary chapel. And, and so they had the same, you know, it's always, Calvaries are, are just like this. We don't have a formal membership in the sense of the corporate stuff. And so I never had a problem with that. I never expected to be able to, you know, walk up to Greg Laurie and tell him what to do, you know, on, on things. Um, I figured it's his Bible study and God's using the guy and I don't like coming. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's how I always uh, treated that. And it's not like I, I didn't have, you know, I, I wasn't a part of it because I got to do all kinds of stuff there. And uh, it was it was that kind of situation. But I, I never wanted to be a guy who voted in a pastor yeah. or voted a guy out, you know, uh, that, kind of, that kind of stuff. And so with, with some of that, I get it from a fleshly standpoint. I, I get that. I get it that people don't trust other people. But on the, on the other hand, it's like I, I think that a lot of people want influence that they don't necessarily have the wisdom for. Uh, for example, I just, uh, just read in the news that um, uh, uh, Musk is, just got nailed in a, in a court proceeding as far as what his board gave him as a compensation package from Tesla. And so a judge took it away. And the reason judge, a judge took it away is because one of the stockholders decided to sue Elon over this whole thing and said that there wasn't enough, basically the board wasn't removed enough from him and, and that kind of thing. And so what you got there is a situation where you got just some dude who's a stockholder who decides that he can tell the corporation what to do and he's going to take you to court on that stuff. Yeah. And again, I understand that because he wants more of the money to go to him and that kind of stuff. But Elon's the, the, the guy who put the corporation together. He put Tesla together. He's the one who's been running the whole thing. He's the one who's made it profitable and, and that kind of stuff. And now you're going to come along and try to take over. And that's what people always do. Yeah. You know, that's what they always do. And so, you know, we, we got a situation where when we're looking at people, um, they can either take over from the top down or they can take over from the bottom up. And you got a bunch of people who can be tyrants. Sure. And so if you're going to go to a church that's a pastor-led church, you want to make sure that the guy loves Jesus and is there to serve people. And then you're going to be fine. And if he's a tyrant, then why would you go there? <laughs> you know, so just pack it up and leave. On the other hand, uh, uh, so, you know what, th- this is what I think of with my church. This is nothing but my Bible study. I got a Bible study. And so it started off as a Bible study. It was in my home, Bible study. You're welcome to come to my house. I'll feed you. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife always fed people. And if you want to come and, 
and uh, listen to a Bible study from me, you are absolutely welcome. And if you don't, then you don't you don't need you know you don't have to come. I'm not going to try to make you. If you wanted to come into my house and take over the Bible study, the answer to that is no. It's not your Bible study. It's my Bible study. Well, it's God's Bible study. Yeah, and God gave it to me and not you. So there. And so it has never stopped being that. So it's just my Bible study. And now what I got is a bunch of people who are around me who are, because the whole thing's grown. And they're helping me out doing all the ministry that we want to do in this situation and still treat it like it's just my Bible study. And if you'd like to come, I'd love to have you. And if you don't want to come, okay. But coming in and I don't know you from Adam and you're going to come in and try to take over, that's crazy. You know, and so I don't want to do that. No, thank you. You know, and, and so, and I got a bunch of people around me who know me. And, and again, you know, everybody around here can vote with their feet. You know, it's like they want to come, they can come. And if they don't want to come, then, then they don't have to. And vice versa, you know, if if uh, if you're coming and you're causing a problem, there are certain people I don't want to teach. <laughs> you know? And so if you're if you're a person who's coming here and just hassling me and everybody else, I don't want to minister to you. Go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And so we all have this freedom to do the things that we want. And I believe that the the second version where it's a pastor led church is is the one that you find in Scripture. And so. That's what we do. Okay. So I'm accountable to, be, to God to make sure that I'm doing the right things and, and uh, make sure that I'm acting as a, as a servant. And the people are accountable to uh, make sure that they're checking me out and not just believing everything that I say. And I'm to be kind to people and have a servant's heart towards them. And they are to submit to me if they're coming here. And that's the rundown that you have on how churches go in Scripture. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so a pastor is not supposed to be uh, an, an employee. He's not a hireling. And the congregation is not to be tyrannical. And a pastor is not to be tyrannical. He's to be a servant of all. And a congregation, if you're a congregant and you're going to a tyrannical church, you need to pack it up and get out. You don't have any excuse uh, for staying in a place like that. Okay, so we went through what Scripture says about it, church membership, what your feelings are, church government, how it goes. Last question on this. If you found yourself in a place where that was the predominant, I know a little bit more information now about this question, but if you found yourself in a place where that was the predominant method of churches, would those liberties, the contracts, whatever, stop you from joining the church or not? You know what? If, if, if I was in a place like that and... This is what they were asking of me. Um, n- n- number one, I don't have a problem with the ask in the, in the sense that those are all things that are biblical. And so I'm supposed to be giving and, and I'm supposed to be involved and I'm supposed to be you know, committed to the word and, and fellowship and all of that kind of stuff. I'm supposed to be doing that. What I would do is ask them why. Why do you want me to sign this? Why do you want me to do this? Why do you want me to do this? And if I got any kind of inkling that they were trying to make me and that they were trying to manipulate me into something, then I don't care how biblical it is. You don't manipulate people into doing these things. Yeah. You know? And so I, I, would, I would run from that. If they were saying, well, a couple of things. And, and like I said, you know, we don't, we don't want guys who are members who aren't godly. You know, and, and because members vote here. And if they said that to me, I'd go, yeah, okay, I get that. 
Yeah. So. Okay. I'm doing all that stuff anyway. So yeah, I'll sign up. Yeah. Okay. But I'd be checking it out. Sure. Yeah. How is Jesus tempted by the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter four? When James 1 says that God does not tempt anyone. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. Let's go through and read it. Okay, temptation of Christ takes him out to the desert. Right, exactly. And so it says in Matthew 4, 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So who did the tempting? Satan. Yeah, so that's not the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not driving Jesus to be, you know, is not driving Jesus into temptation in that sense, um, what the Holy Spirit is doing is taking Jesus into the wilderness where he will be tempted by the devil. And so the Holy Spirit allows that in Christ's life. It's not the, the Lord that's doing that in Christ's life. So, but, so not to cut you off, but how would you explain when it says the Holy Spirit led him and he's going in to be tempted by Satan? Right. What would be the answer to why would the Holy Spirit lead you into that situation? Can you unpack that? Yeah, it's, it's for strength. And so in the passage in James... What we're talking about doing, what we're talking about in that passage is the idea that God tempts somebody to sin. Right. That's a difference. To try to get them to sin. And, and so the, the same terms are being used, but, but, it's, but it's like temptation in our, in our situation, in, in our language. I can be tempting you to sin and come along and go, you know what, you should do this. And then on the other hand, I can, as it says in the, in the book, you know, if, I, if I'm dealing with my kids, for example, and my kids are all grown up now, so I'm, I'm going back in, in history here. If I'm dealing with my kids, I am not, I was never one of those parents that took away every temptation from in front of my children. And so, as a matter of fact, I couldn't. So... We have a wood stove in our house, for example. And so when I had to make sure that my children, um, when they were little, knew that the wood stove was very hot. And so they had an idea of what hot was because they'd been burnt before, not on the wood stove, but they knew what hot was. And so I would tell them, this is very hot. I don't want you to touch this. And so I didn't. And as soon as you say, I don't want you to touch this, what's a little kid want to do? And so I did not remove the temptation from the child. What I did was I gave the child instruction on what to do and what not to do in a situation so that they wouldn't be hurt. And it's, a, it's the same thing with everything else. I didn't go through my house and childproof every portion of my house or even necessarily, well, toddler-proof things. And there, there are things that we kept out of reach of them and so chemicals and things like that. Uh, but you know, I, I I didn't take everything off the off the coffee table and you know and that kind of stuff because I want my kids to learn. I want them to to learn how life is supposed to go. I want them to learn about consequences and that kind of stuff. And so God allows temptation in a Christian's life not to see them sin, but to teach them about sin and consequences and obedience and rewards and that kind of stuff. And so in the passage in James, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's all the time we have for this week. If you have questions for Pastor Steve, email us at crosswalkradio at gmail.com or send us a text at 707 872 
1-800-273-7677. God bless. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.